God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And Trump had a big night, particularly in Pennsylvania, because um, both of it, both candidates, well, all three candidates embraced Trump. Um, McCormick, McCormick, that uh, guy, um, he's a hedge fund manager does some business in China, um, was not endorsed by Trump. He said a few bad things about Trump, and so Trump decided to back Oz because Trump said there was some things in uh, um, uh, Kathy Barnett's uh, history that he didn't like. and so. Um, but Kathy Barnett was probably the truest... Trump candidate in terms of MAGA MAGA candidate. And Oz, of course, you know, we know he flip-flopped on abortion and some other things. So it was a kind of a, an interesting race to see how that played out. But Oz, so many people said, I'm voting for Oz because Trump endorsed Oz. And I want to send a message that Trump's coattails are strong, that Trump is the grand leader of the party. And this is my statement. Because all three are strong candidates. So sort of like that. I think um, in terms of winners and losers last night, though, um, you know, Oz is more than likely going to win. He's about two and a half thousand votes up. And uh, McCormick uh, is is still holding his own, but... uh, the counties that uh, are late to the game in terms of uh, the, the kind of um, the kind of ballots that are still to come in look more favorable to Oz. So we'll see what happens. It's a nail biter because a lot of what they're going to be counting today and results that are coming in today are going to be from these mail-in ballots. And again, the mail-in ballots are causing these elections to go late. And I just think we have to scrap 
the whole concept of mail-in ballots. I, I think it's a it's just riddled with fraud. We know this. We know this like as sure as we're talking here. We know that mail-in balloting is not the way to go if you want election integrity. It's as simple as that. So, um, election wizard writes, we can't, we can't Pennsylvania run a, why can't Pennsylvania run a statewide election in which there are no significant mishaps? And of course, Lancaster County had some problems, uh, with regards to barcode or something. And I always think, you know, I looked at France and I'm like, they knew the results two minutes after the gates, uh, the polls closed. And they knew the results. It was a paper ballot. There wasn't, people showed up to vote. It's the least you could do for your country. Show up to vote. If you're too lazy, if you're a bum, and you don't want to show up to vote, then don't vote. But you got to show up to vote. It's your civic duty. Now, if they want to do away with mail-in balloting, uh, and and the trade-off is you could have the day off of work, then make make it a national holiday. And that's fine too. That would be fine with me. I just, I don't care about the numbers and I don't care about, you know, because the Democrats will make the argument, well, they don't like it because there's more Democrat registrations than, than conservative registrations and the mail-in ballot makes it easier for a lot of people who can't vote. Who can't vote? Unless you're elderly and you have a doctor's permit, you know, and a doctor signs off on it and you go through the due diligence uh, ahead of time, then you got to show up and vote. Get a family member to help you, get you in the car and get you over there and vote. So I'm just not buying any of those excuses. Of course, we know about the mules now, right? The mules... And and here's the thing about that, the uh, mules. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, get this. The IRS has some numbers for uh, Stacey Abrams. In 2018, $109,000 was what she declared. Her net worth was $109,000. In 2022... Her net worth, now, so this wasn't a declaration, an IRS statement. This was a net worth. Net worth. And the IRS says this. Okay, in 2018, her net worth was $109,000. In 2022, four years later, her net worth is $3.17 million. So running for office and... <clears throat> rigging elections is good money. There's a lot of money in that. So the Soros mule money, George Soros just donated $1 million to Stacey Abrams, True the Vote, uh, Stacey Abrams, True the Vote geo-tracking data reveals mules were working out of Democrat officials' offices, including Stacey Abrams. The IRS uh, reported what I just uh, told you. It's... it's uh, it's it's very clear to me and um, that uh, there was a lot of fraud that Stacey Abrams was the grand poobah fraudster. And again, it involves 
these mail-in ballots or drop box ma- ballots I, I don't think any of that should be there should be a there should be a privacy con- so long as you could sell the vote and have somebody else manage your vote and buy your vote and sell your vote I say no to that if you can, if you could prove prove to me that that can't happen prove to me it can't happen Somehow figure out a way to get it to where it cannot happen. You know, one of the things is with regard to these barcodes, it should be some sort of a barcode, right? That uh, where the person that receives the ballot can't tell how that person voted and then it goes through a machine. But I didn't even like that. That would even be better because it would get the human uh, corruption out of it. But I don't like that either. When you can vote in your house and you don't have to prove your identity and there's no chain of custody and you have a ballot harvester dropping it in a box or dropping it in the mailbox, it's no way to do it. You got to show up and you got to vote. You got to pull the curtain. You got to have your private moment. And that is the chain of cut. That answers the chain of custody. that gets rid of the um, potential for purchasing and buying and trafficking votes. That gets rid of the whole um, ballot harvesting thing, which really goes to chain of custody. And we just got to get back to it because we know why the Democrats have been pushing to uh, ban voter ID. We know why the Democrats have uh, been uh, fighting tooth and nail to get the citizenship question off the census. We know all this. So here we are in Pennsylvania. We still, it's a state. It's not even a country. And we still don't know the results of this election. It cannot be that hard. Yesterday I said, can't these people just count beans? And then, of course, it's, it's this caveat. It's like, Because I've been saying, it takes a person, and say, two minutes to vote. It takes a a counter five seconds to count. So you do the math. You're way ahead of the curve on that. There's absolutely no way you're going to fall behind. You just count it as you go. As people walk in the door, they write, they show their ID, they write their name in a book, they go into a curtain, They vote, and the machine already tallied it. It's already tallied. And not only that, but if it's a drop box, you count it. If it's a paper ballot, you can just count it. It takes you five seconds to count it. It takes them two minutes to process it. You're way ahead of the curve. It could easily be done. You don't need the computers. You don't need the algorithms. You don't need anything. Speaking of algorithms, Elon Musk, uh, so so that's the uh, Pennsylvania election. It's kind of interesting. I believe Oz is going to win. Uh, he's already ahead by a couple thousand votes, and he's been trending more. I will say this about the Trump impact on that before we close on the chapter on Pennsylvania uh, election, is <clears throat> people, even though Trump's a uh, endorsed Oz. People couldn't. People uh, on the right love the America First policies and agenda, 
They love Make America Great Again. They consider themselves to be what Biden thinks is a bad word, ultra MAGA or king of MAGA, which is Trump. And so therefore, Trump had a great night because if you count up what uh, Kathy Barnett got, it was about 25%, somewhere in that neighborhood, 27%. And and then um, and, uh, Oz, he's about 35 or 34%. And then you got McCormick, who said some bad things about Trump. Hedge fund manager does business in China. But still going to be much better than Betterman. And what ended up happening there is... You could you could pretty much say every Kathy Barnett voter was a Trump voter. And every, well, for that matter, every McCormick voter is going to be a Trump voter too because even McCormick was trying to, you know, win over the Trump, Trump vote. That's, yeah, and, and you get a guy like Tim Ryan out of Ohio. He's running for the hills from Biden. He doesn't want Biden to come out and stump for him at all, right? Tim Ryan. So <clears throat> Trump got about, what, almost 60% of the vote over McCormick. You know, so McCormick lucked out because, see, Kathy Barnett had a good night. She trended and she did better than a lot of people were expecting. She almost had a lane to victory. And that's what hurt Oz the most. That was, a, you know, an outside-the-box calculation. Cawthorn was uh, in North Carolina was a uh, candidate that was endorsed by Trump. He's uh, he had uh, a few scandals, uh, and so there was an abnormality there. But Bud in North Carolina won, so that was a Trump endorsed candidate. Now in Georgia, coming down the pike, uh, that's going to be interesting because you got Kemp and Purdue, and Purdue is a Trump support. Uh, Trump supports Purdue, and yet. Hope Hicks and um, Kellyanne Conway and some others, uh, Pence, uh, support Kemp. And, of course, we know Kemp is a bad deal, you know. So it's got to be Purdue. If you're a Trump supporter, if you're a MAGA supporter, if you're an America First supporter and you don't sell out to China and you don't support rigged elections, then you got to vote for Purdue. You cannot vote for Kemp because Kemp supports China Kemp supports uh, voter fraud. And he rolls over and and lets Stacey Abrams scratch his belly. So Kemp is a chump. And Purdue is the guy. So that's what you got to take to the bank there. But it was a good night for Trump. And uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um. And then there's this information that's coming out. There's a lot of information that's coming out. And we have a couple of audio clips we're going to be playing today uh, that are going to be quite interesting. Um, You know, because Biden went up to Buffalo and did exactly what we knew he would do. He's going to blame the gun rather than the insane person. Uh, And he's going to make this all about race and he's going to Uh, use it to divide Americas. He's going to use it to take away your rights. And I thought Tucker Carlson put together a really great cultural open uh, in his uh, monologue. Uh, 
that I want to share with you. So we're going to be sharing that today. I also, if we can get to it, I'm going to get to this um, Trump interview he gave with CBN. And it was from like last week, but it's still pretty good. And uh, we didn't have time yesterday to get to it, but we'll get to it today. Um, but there's still so many other things we want to, uh, I want to talk about a little bit today. The 128,000 emails for Hunter Biden. More than 128,000 emails from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop have been publicly uploaded into a searchable online database, one of which suggests a Mexican billionaire was given access to the White House because Hunter Biden asked for it. Huh? Wow. So that's pretty crazy, right? So... Former Trump aide Garrett Ziegler posts searchable online database containing huge trove of more than 128,000 emails from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop and calls them a modern-day Rosetta Stone of white and blue-collar crime. So that's... uh, Interesting. We'll see what happens. Now, I have this uh, other thing that's happening with regard to, uh, oh, another thing about fraud. These are just little bits, vignette stories that I want to get to and get them out of the way before we get to a couple of uh, broader things. Um, Black Lives Matter founder uh, Patrice Collars. This is just terrible. Uh, paid her baby father $970,000 for creative services, and she paid her brother $840,000 for security services from charity funds. Can you believe that? That's, That's absolutely crazy, isn't it? But the good news is in Montana, the Montana Supreme Court has restored Montana's voter ID law and then the election day registration. So there, you got to win. So check this out. Cat Turd writes this. He says, big congratulations to Joe Biden for whopping 821 people. 821 people who watched his divisive race baiting speech today. He wrote that yesterday, of course. And then they just realized that 50% of Joe Biden's Twitter followers are fake. 50%. They did an audit. Can you believe that? So Elon Musk is on this, right? Because, you know, we were talking yesterday about this. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Trying to get the price down. And now Twitter wants to sell like it was like expeditiously. They want it sold today. And Elon Musk is like, no, we got to do an audit because you sold me a bill of goods. You you basically sold me a lemon. You knew that there was water in the gas tank and and you knew that the uh, engine was 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 put together with uh, paper clips. You knew this car was going to fall apart before you sold it to me, but you sold it to me. And now I paid you the fair market value for it and you gave me a lemon. There's a lemon law. You can't do that. You can't sell me a lemon. And so therefore, um, 
you know, there's a there's a, a complaint about that, right? So he wants to find this out. And of course, what we're going to find out is that the minimum is going to be 20% of Twitter was fraud. But it's more than that. It's probably going to be more like 50%. Then there's a whistleblower that was on hidden camera talking about Twitter saying there's a whole bunch of commies at Twitter. Just everybody in the culture at Twitter is a bunch of commies. And now they're having defections. People are leaving because it's toxic work environment. But he said basically, yeah, they center conservatives like crazy. So shame on Jack Dorsey for lying to Congress about that and hiring a culture of communist zombies and meddling in elections. And to me, this is election fraud. This is no different than George Soros giving a million dollars to Stacey Abrams so that she could hire a whole bunch of mules and rig the election in Georgia. So, you know, where does well, if that's not election fraud, what is? What is what is election fraud? When Zuckerberg gives four hundred fifty billion uh, million dollars, four hundred fifty million dollars out to uh, have people on the ground rigging elections, to me that's 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 wrong, right? But but in and of itself, Dinesh D'Souza was thrown in jail by Barack. Hussein for, you know, overpaying by like $10,000 to a candidate, like something completely harmless, ended up spending time in jail for that. You got J6 protesters being compared to to, uh, murderous killers because in Biden's speech yesterday in Buffalo, he compared... J6 protesters protesting election fraud and all only wanting election integrity. And he compared that with monstrous terrorists who shoot and kill people for no apparent reason. And he compared them with white supremacist uh, racists. He compares all of MAGA, which is more than half the country. And why, that's why it's actually so important that MAGA wins because it sends a message to people like Joe Biden that no, you were lying about MAGA. They aren't white supremacist racists. In fact, it's the Democrats that are. If you look up, and I've said this a thousand times and I just keep on saying it, if you look up Jim Crow laws in Wikipedia, it'll say there were guidelines and laws established by uh, liberal White liberal Democrats in the South. That's what it says in Wikipedia, which is a liberal entity. George Wallace was a liberal governor from Alabama that blocked the doors to prevent integrated schools, and Kennedy had to get down there and get involved in Alabama. He was a Democrat. Jefferson Davis was part of the Democrat establishment. And it was Abraham Lincoln that went against Jefferson Davis for the, in the Civil War. And it was the Republicans that was formed on the basis of ending and abolishing slavery 
and they wrote the Emancipation Proclamation. The Republicans have always been about integration and multiculturalism, but done done in a way that is sustainable. This open border policy and getting rid of uh, Title 42 is insane. Mayorkas is down there right now. What they're trying to do is change the demographics because they think that somehow they can uh, import voters. And that's why they're doing it. And when you listen to this Tucker clip, you're going to hear that. And then Tucker goes to make another point, which we've talked about on this show in the past, which is new polls are indicating Hispanics are more in line with conservative values than they are white, social, liberal, elitist values that are completely out of touch with society. So that would be the irony of all ironies, is that they created their own demise. I would love it to see that happen. And then, you know, that old saying, God works in mysterious ways. Uh, It would be a godsend and a dream come true. So there's that. So there's a lot of stories here. Uh, There is this story we touched upon yesterday with Durham and Sussman and some other things. Well, we found out Just in the last 24 hours, we found out that the FBI knew within one day, Marsha Blackburn reported this, the Congress uh, senator. She said, the FBI, we we learned, in one day, they knew that the Russian hoax story was a hoax. And yet, the mainstream media and the liberals and John Brennan and James Clapper and all of these losers were pushing this like, I had friends, I remember at the time, I said, I think this whole thing's a farce. And my friend said, well, you know, 17 uh, intelligence agencies can't be wrong. They're not all lying, Scott. And of course, they were. That's how corrupt our government is. And there's one bit of good news. The Air Force just recently tested... uh, tested a hypersonic missile using a B-52 bomber, and that was successful. That puts us on the map to parity with China and Russia, who have already developed hypersonic missiles that are a clear advantage uh, militarily. So we're catching up. All right, so we have have a caller. Uh, Caller, you're on the air. Scott, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Where, who? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Mark in Florida. Okay. Um, I just wanted to... You've got bad history information as far as the South and the Republicans and things. Um, you can look up the Devil's Punch Bowl, Mississippi. Uh, the carpetbaggers were the Jim Crow's. The Northern treated the Southern free slaves worse than any plantation owner ever did. I was just quoting Wikipedia, that's all. Well, Wikipedia, um, if you want facts and evidence, there's a forensic historian named uh, Michael Gaddy, 
and he's at rebelmadman.org. We, the history of the founding of this country is slavery. The Constitution actually established slavery in the United States. It was uh, it was uh, promoted by the king and allowed by the king before yeah. the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. But the Constitution actually made it law. So, what what what, what Constitution got, made it law? The Constitution made slavery law. It, it established the law of the land for at least twenty years, and it went beyond that. Wow, that's I that, I never read that in the Constitution. Yeah, read the Constitution that made slavery for twenty years. Huh. Okay. Well, I have to look that up. Yeah. And be, before that, the Articles of Confederation didn't uh, address it because at first they were under the king, but they but it was just a thing that was done. It wasn't. It wasn't established in law. It was just a thing that occurred. Slavery around the world was occurring. So we've got bad history, and we've been trained to believe bad history. And I just wanted to jump in. I appreciate uh, your call. I I appreciate your call, and thank you for listening. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. All right. We are going to take a listen to uh, Tucker Carlson right now, and. and here we are. Okay, you're going to love this, folks. This is really good. He's talking about the uh, Joe Biden up in Buffalo. And uh, he gets into so many different areas and the subtle nuances. Pay attention to this because this is brilliant. This is a brilliant monologue from uh, Tucker. As only Tucker could do it. That's why I'm playing him. I wish I could do it. I would just redo my own, but this this particular monologue's very special. Oh. And it just so happens that we don't have sound. So we're going to get there. Sorry about that, folks. First, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Last May, a 17-year-old high school senior called Peyton Gendron received an assignment in his economics class. The assignment asked, what do you want to do when you retire? He answered, commit murder-suicide. Gendron's teacher immediately reported his threat to authorities who sent him to the emergency room for a psychiatric evaluation. Gendron was there for just 20 hours. As he wrote later in his diary, quote, I got out of it because I stuck with the story that I was getting out of class and I just stupidly wrote that down. That's the reason I believe I am still able to purchase guns. But he was lying. Gendron's intention to commit mass murder was, as he later wrote, quote, not a joke. I wrote that down because that's what I was planning to do. And he was. Peyton Gendron was mentally ill. His classmates knew that. Gendron made strange facial expressions and said odd things in class. Last year, he showed up for school for a full week wearing a hazmat suit. Boots, gloves, everything, recalled another student. Police and school administrators understood perfectly well that Gendron was potentially dangerous. That's why they sent him to the psych ward. Even his own parents must have known that something was very wrong. Gendron's diary describes how his mother helped him bury a cat he had beaten to death in their garage and then beheaded with a hatchet. On Saturday, Peyton Gendron, as you know, finally did what he said he would do. He committed mass murder. He opened fire on a crowd of strangers in a Buffalo supermarket. He murdered 10 of them. So how did the adults around him let this happen? In a country with functioning leadership, we would be asking that question. The signs of mental illness were certainly there. The people in charge missed those signs or didn't take them seriously enough or weren't paying close enough attention. In any case, they didn't fix it. They let a killer slip through. 
So what did they do wrong with Peyton Gendron and how can we learn from it? We should learn from it if we want to prevent more mass murders. But that's not at all what our leaders are asking tonight, hardly. Instead, they're asking the only question that ever occurs to them. How exactly can I benefit from this? How can I leverage this tragedy to my advantage? How can other people's suffering make me more powerful? It didn't take long for Joe Biden to find a way. Biden flew to Buffalo this morning to speak about what Peyton Gendron did. There have been a number of mass murders since Biden became president. Some of them have been racially motivated. A little over a year ago, in fact, there was even another supermarket massacre that happened to have the same casualty total. A Syrian-born man murdered 10 people in Boulder, Colorado. He even used the same caliber rifle that Patron Gendron brought to Buffalo. But Joe Biden didn't bother to fly to that crime scene. He didn't go to any of them, in fact. Biden went to Buffalo today because he thought he could blame his political opponents for what happened there, which, of course, he promptly did. Watch. And other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries, ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January 6th? What happened in Buffalo? What happened? They'll ask. January 6th and the Buffalo massacre. So how is a political protest at the Capitol related to a murder spree by a demented teenager in New York State over the weekend? What do those two events have in common? And who exactly are these unnamed heads of state who are connecting these non-connected events in conversations with Joe Biden? You may have wondered that, but don't ask because it's not meant to be asked. It is instead a dream sequence. It's a rhetorical device meant to connect everything that might challenge Joe Biden and bunch all of these things together in the same repulsive moral category. January 6th, mass murder, the bubonic plague, it's all the same, it's all bad. And because it's bad, Joe Biden informed us today, after 250 years, we're going to have to suspend the Bill of Rights. And we're gonna begin where the Bill of Rights begins, with the freedom of speech. You can't prevent people from being radicalized to violence. But we can address the relentless exploitation of the internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. The relentless exploitation of the internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. Okay. But can anyone show, has anyone ever shown that this specific case, Peyton Gendron, was quote, recruited and mobilized by the internet? Well, no, in fact. By his own account, he was mentally ill. He snapped. He'd been planning this for a long time. He did what his diseased brain commanded him to do. The Internet did not make him do it. He did it himself. But even if Gendron had been, quote, radicalized by what he read on the Internet, what then exactly? Many have been radicalized by what they've read. Paul Pot was radicalized by reading Das Kapitel. He went on a murder spree. He killed more than a million people. Should we ban that book? Should we ban all books? all internet sites that, quote, radicalize people? What exactly is Joe Biden saying here? Well, he's saying that thanks to what happened in Buffalo over the weekend, you no longer have any rights at all, including the most basic, which is to read what you want. After nullifying the First Amendment, Joe Biden moved to the Second Amendment. The venom of the haters and their weapons of war, the violence and the words and deeds that stalk our streets, our stores, our schools, This venom, this violence cannot be the story of our time. But there are certain things we can do. We can keep assault weapons off our streets. We've done it before. 
So because a mentally ill 18-year-old used a specific rifle to commit these crimes, you can't have that rifle. Now, Joe Biden's bodyguards can have that rifle, so can Nancy Pelosi's, and of course they do. In fact, you pay for it all. But they're important, and you are not, so you can't. So because the people in charge fail to protect shoppers in Buffalo, you're not allowed to defend your family, despite the fact you may believe your family's every bit as important as Joe Biden and his family, and Nancy Pelosi and her family. But they're not as important. So we're going to defund the police and disarm you. That's how it works now. Sorry. And then Joe Biden got to the main point of his speech, which is that people who criticize his immigration policies are responsible for the violence you saw in Buffalo. Here's the president of the United States explaining that. I hate that through the media and politics, the Internet has radicalized, angry, alienated, lost, and isolated individuals into falsely believing that they will be replaced, that's the word, replaced, by the other. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. So you lock the country down, lock kids out of their schools for two years force them to get, quote, educated on the Internet, but it's someone else's fault that they're, quote, alienated. They've been hearing about the great replacement theory. You've heard a lot about the great replacement theory recently. It's everywhere in the last two days, and we're still not sure exactly what it is. Here's what we do know for a fact. There is a strong political component to the Democratic Party's immigration policy. We're not guessing this. We know this, and we know it because they have said so. They've said it again and again and again. They've written books on it and monographs and magazine articles. They've bragged about it endlessly. They talk about it on cable news constantly. And they say out loud, we are doing this because it helps us to win elections. That's not something they've said once. It's something they've gloated about again and again and again. And we think that's wrong. And in case you doubt us, here they are. Blue Wave is African-American. It's white, it's Latino, it's Asian Pacific Islander. It is made up of those who've been told that they are not worthy of being here. It is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. In a couple of presidential cycles, you'll be on election night. You'll be announcing that we're calling the 38 electoral votes of Texas for the Democratic nominee for president. It's changing. It's going to become a purple state and then a blue state because of the demographics. The demographics of America are not on the side of the Republican Party. The new voters in this country are moving away from them. And instead, they're moving to be independents or to even vote on the other side. An unrelenting stream of immigration. Non-stop. Non-stop. Folks like me who were Caucasian of European descent, for the first time in 2017, will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. Fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a source of our strength. <laughs> so you play clips of them saying it, and you're the deranged conspiracy nut. Maybe the funniest part is they may not be right. The Democratic Party has decided that rather than convince you people who are born here, that their policies are helping you and making the country better and stronger, they will change the electorate. Again, they say that. We're not guessing. But the funniest part is they may be wrong. 
actually. Judging by recent polling, it turns out your average Salvadoran landscaper has politics that are a lot closer to Donald Trump's than they are to Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. So their basic calculation may be completely wrong. But that's not even the point. It has nothing to do with who we're letting in. There's nothing with race and ethnicity. It has to do with two things. One, the purpose of the U.S. government is to serve American citizens, period. And two, you should never craft any federal, which is to say nationwide policy, in order to help a specific political party. That is by itself in isolation immoral. It doesn't matter what the policy is. And that's exactly what they're doing. And again, they brag about it. And not just Democratic Party politicians. Virtually every media figure on the left has been bragging about this for decades. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory, really? Well, here's Anna Navarro from her time as a Harvard fellow. This is what she wrote, quote, the demographic trends show that the minority vote in the United States will continue to grow in numbers and influence. Unless you're under the influence of hallucinogens, it is hard to imagine future scenarios where the Republican Party can win national elections. That piece, by the way, is called Old White Straight Male Voters Ain't What They Used To Be, end quote. So let's see, if you don't want people to be paranoid and angry, maybe you don't write pieces like that and rub it right in their face and give them the finger day after day. Maybe that would de-escalate it a little bit. You think, Joe Biden, Anna Navarro? But they're not the only two. This has been the prevailing view on the left for a long time. Here's a political piece from 2013. We could go on for hours, by the way, but here's this, quote, immigration reform could be a bonanza for Democrats. The Democratic Party, the piece said, are, are quote, pumping as many as 11 million new Hispanic voters into the electorate a decade from now in ways that could produce an electoral bonanza for Democrats and cripple Republican prospects in many states they now win easily, end quote. Again, as noted, that calculation may be completely wrong. A lot of those people the Democrats are importing may wind up being deeply sympathetic to the other party because they're actually not white liberals. That's the secret. But it almost doesn't matter how they vote. Thinking about politics in those terms is immoral. That is wrong. You are gaming the system. That is not democracy. It's the opposite. And they bragged about it for more than a decade. Here's another example, also from 2013. The Center for American Progress announced that, quote, supporting real immigration reform that contains a pathway to citizenship for our nation's 11 million undocumented immigrants is the only way to maintain electoral strength in the future. Oh, race repla great replacement theory, anyone? These people are lunatics. They're telling you what their strategy is. When you note it, they scream at you and call you a criminal. In 2018, the New York Times published an editorial called We Can Replace Them. <laughs> Just in case subtlety is not your thing. Quote, right now, America is tearing itself apart as an embittered white conservative minority clings to power, terrified at being swamped by a new multiracial polyglot majority. Right. Okay. In 2020, Joe Scarborough, a real moral voice over at MSNBC, quoted this, Trumpism accelerated damage done by demographic changes and will harm Republicans for years. Demographics is destiny, end quote. Are you allowed to say that? Once again, they're wrong. And if you haven't looked at an electoral map recently, look at the districts, the almost 100% Hispanic districts in the Rio Grande Valley that are bearing the brunt of our open borders. They're now red. So you're wrong, Joe Scarborough, but the fact that you're saying demographics is destiny tells you the great replacement theory is coming from the left. They don't think it's a theory. They think it's real. In 2021, the Washington Post's Jen Rubin celebrated a report that the number of white people in this country was declining. Can you even imagine? Quote, this is fabulous news, she wrote. Now we need to prevent minority white rule. My God, talking like that. Is there any more divisive thing you could write?
We could give you a million more examples. We're offended by this because it's wrong, and we've said so. But for saying so, according to Carl Cameron on MSNBC today, we should be thrown in jail. Watch. You got to watch out because the Republicans have become the purveyors of misinformation. And when our, our two-party system is broken like that, democracy is seriously in trouble. The president acknowledged that. It's time to actually start doing things and maybe taking some names and putting people in jail. Maybe taking some names and putting people in jail. Hmm. Who would those people be? Well, thanks to the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, we now know. Schumer just sent a letter to our bosses here at Fox News blaming this show for the mass murder in Buffalo, as well as several other mass shootings in recent years. According to Chuck Schumer, this show spreads, quote, dangerous rhetoric and needs to be pulled off the air immediately in the name of public safety. Now, again, Chuck Schumer is a federal official. He is the leading Democrat in the United States Senate. And he is calling for media censorship. Now, there was a time, like maybe 18 months ago, and that would be considered a direct violation of the First Amendment. Now, we hear it every day. Let's throw them in jail. We wanted to hear more from Chuck Schumer about this. We invited him on the show tonight, as we always do. And because he is a coward, this is the only media appearance probably in history he's turned down. But we upgraded. Shelby Steele is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and the writer of What Killed Michael Brown. Shelby Steele joins us tonight. Mr. Steele, thanks so much. Okay, I was just queuing up this other clip. <clears throat> so this is interesting. So, um, you know, talking about gun rights in that piece that he talked about, um, Cori Bush came to mind. Listen to Cori Bush when she talks about uh, defunding the police and, and, and guns. Let's take a listen. Talking about the same exact people who say horrible things about me, who lie to get to, to build up their base. And then because they lie about me, I receive death threats. Mm. Now, they don't address the fact that I receive death threats after they go on air and say horrible things about me. But then they want to say, oh, but she wants she needs private security. I have private security because my body is worth being on this planet right now. That's the congresswoman's side. But the yeah. It's a joke. Uh, there was a there was a better clip actually. I didn't have you know I had a um, that particular clip is not as good as this one. So I'm gonna uh, get to this one right here. Far left Democrats accused of hypocrisy again. Squad member Corey. I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives. So those two clips, those excerpts, were the difference between uh, the difference between uh, Fox News, which is what you just heard, and CBS. <laughs> so you know it's crazy. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Scott, it's Lance from Austin. Can you hear me? Uh yes. Hey, yeah, I, I had to call in real quick before your show got off today. Uh, uh, thanks for letting me on, but uh, I had a bone to pick with that. Art from Georgia called in a little while ago. I think the words we use to describe things are very important. And so when you go and make a statement that the Constitution legalized slavery, I think you are shortcutting to your point. I believe without the Bill of Rights, 
that the buying and selling of human beings as a commodity kept on going. Which he was correct. As you're you're breaking up, sir. What? Oh goodness, I'm sorry. Let me try to stand outside. Maybe better. No, did you? I got hearts on the bed. You there? Yeah, Mr. I'm Adams. Here. Yes, I'm here. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm just kind of way out in the country right now. But so, that says you know the slavery and the Constitution defines individual liberties and it protects us from slavery. And it took a while for that to take traction. The world was going through a lot at the time. So yes, it's taken a while for those uh, ideals to take hold. But the Constitution in no way legalizes slavery. In fact, it protects us, and it's the only in the entire world that protects us from slavery. Right. Right. I think also Malcolm X would disagree with the gentleman from Florida who called in about that. Um, but thank you for your call. Thank you. Thank you for taking the call. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, actually, let's play Malcolm X. I have never bombed any churches, have never murdered any little girls, as was done in Birmingham, have never lynched anybody, have never at any time been guilty of initiating any aggressive acts of violence during the entire uh, 33 years or more that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has been teaching that exists. They've been violent in their brutality against Negroes. And they feel that someday the Negro is going to wake up and try and do unto them as they have done unto, do unto the whites as the whites have done unto us. We aren't a violent group. We do to respect everyone who respects us. Anytime anyone in any way uh, inflicts or... I'm sorry, that was not the clip. Um, there is a clip. I think this might be it here. Let's take a listen. Namely, the race problem integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power. But the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football, and the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this game of deceiving and using the American Negro, 
the white liberals have complete cooperation of the Negro civil rights leaders who sell our people out for a few crumbs of token recognition, token gains, token progress. Yeah, and, and there was even a better clip than that, but I'm not going to be able to play it. And it's, you know, it's not part of the, really, I didn't want to get in too much with this. Um, but uh, he talks about the lamb chop, and uh, it's just, it's amazing. You know, the Democrats have been snakes. They've been like snake oil salesmen uh, since their inception. You know, um, I'm a Native American Indian, and I can tell you that the white liberal Democrat Walter Plecker from Virginia is the reason why I was born in Philadelphia, because he, uh, of his racist agenda uh, toward the Native American Indians. And uh, my life in 2022, my trajectory in my life was directly affected by a racist from the 30s in Virginia, a white liberal. But, you know, uh, I've moved on. You know, like, I, I don't think about those things. All I think about is how to make our country better. I am someone who embraces uh, Americans and not necessarily black Americans, white Americans, Hispanic Americans, just Americans. And anytime I see a meme like that, I want to post it because I want to remind people that we got to get off of this whole thing about Black History Month or all these different things. You know, and uh and and they and the liberals have have gotten so tricky with it that they've taken this race They've taken this race and they and 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 then they've applied it to gender, and then they took the gender and the race and they applied it to sexual preference. And you know it's just kind of crazy. You know now what's next? Trans? There's going to be trans things. You know I was saying to Leonora, and I said this, and I I thought it was kind of a funny thought, but I said. You know, one of these days they're going to have an implant on a guy so he could have a womb just so he could have an abortion. You know, it's kind of crazy. Well, you know, that brings us to the end of the show. I lost track of time, actually. Um, but uh, be sure to check out org. Use Red State over at MyPillow. They're running some really great specials on slippers, and they're taking 50% off on the mattresses right now. So be sure to do all of that. And... Uh, Tune in to our podcasts over at scottadamshow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.